It's another fine day at Camp Dynasty. I am Counselor Austin, joined by Counselor Colin, and we are talking about week 12 of college football. It's unbelievable that we're in week 12, and I mean, we got a hell of a slate of guys to talk about today. We absolutely do. I mean, we we're now approaching the end here we've been talking about this in the last few episodes getting closer and closer to that end of season mock draft and then transitioning into draft season and this week this slate of players campers getting badges is a really nice little you get a little bit of a of a taste of everywhere. We got some some repeats. Maybe a record chase is happening. We got some familiar names, and we even got a couple of new names as well. So I'm excited to jump in, but what I'm not excited about is the fact that I have lost several <laughs> coin tosses in a row. So you once again got the first pick this week. I did, and Tails... It- it's not that it never fails, <laughs> but since we went back to the coin, man, we're on a hot streak with the physical tails. coin. It's rigged. Yeah. Well, right. The physical coin is rigged. Well, I took someone that uh, we haven't given a badge to, someone that we have talked about, um, but I haven't really talked about in a positive light since preseason. And that's Will Shipley. So we mentioned his backup, Mafa, and we were like, well, you know, we'll keep an eye on this backfield going forward because Shipley had the injury and, you know, we don't really know. And then last week against Georgia Tech, Shipley gets 11 carries, 77 yards, solid game. And then comes out against North Carolina – 17 carries buck 21 and a touchdown and he's getting the juice badge because he looked fast in this game like i don't know what it was but it just seemed like he had a little like one more gear available to him in this game and he was you know putting the the cuts on display here like it, it was just a lot of very nice stuff that you saw pop up on tape from the 2022 season and you're kind of expecting him to take a step forward and you didn't see much of it. We kind of talked about that two weeks ago that like he kind of felt like the same player from 2022, sometimes even regressing a little bit, but this game felt like he took a lot of the good and the positive from 2022 and built on it and put it on display against North Carolina. Yeah, this is a really encouraging week for Will Shipley. Obviously, a player that checks all of the athleticism boxes, and that is what you're alluding to here. Is we're finally getting to see a little bit of that Will Shipley that we saw in 2022, a player that had 1,171 rushing yards, 15 touchdowns, was involved in the passing game, seemed to be a player that was poised to be, you know, maybe not in that top tier of running backs in this class, but one of those, you know, players that's going to fit into that second or third tier. Uh, Haven't seen it. And I'm wondering if maybe the, there was a lower body injury earlier in the year 
Maybe he's getting a little bit healthier, you know, starting to look a little bit more like himself, obviously just dealt with a concussion as well. So there's been injuries this year. There's been, you know, Clemson doesn't quite look like Clemson either, but we get to see a little bit of a vintage Will Shipley performance this week. And it would be nice to see that as we approach the end of the season. This is a third-year player. He's not a, a lock to declare for the draft or anything like that, but it's sure seemed like he was trending in that direction after his sophomore season. We'll find out if these last few weeks are enough to kind of get him back in the conversation. So something that I'm thinking with Shipley is you mentioned his lower body injury, and like through the first nine weeks of the season – he was, you know, probably playing a little hurt because, like, the ankle injuries don't really go away, especially when you're playing how Will Shipley plays, you know, aggressive downhill runner that is very, like, violent cutter. Like, the when he, he shifts off his lower body, he's going. And he gets, like, a game and a half to not – be playing and like get off of it maybe let the body heal a little bit and then you come back in week 11 week 12 and you post uh his two best yards per carry outside of their game against whoever they played week two charles southern i don't know (laughs) that's a fake school so back to those early (laughs) season days of is this a real school or (laughs) so yeah whatever you know, the high school team, they scrimmaged week two. Outside of that, he's posted his two best yards per carry totals in the last two weeks since coming back from injury. So maybe he got a little healthier, let the body rest, let the body heal, and then, you know, maybe we'll see this uh, down the stretch for Shipley. Yeah, that's a great point. And you mentioned there the last two weeks, we're trending up starting to look a little bit more like himself. And this week also three catches, 58 yards on top of the great rushing day. So definitely a Will Shipley performance that we were expecting to see coming into the year and would be an exciting addition to this running back class if he uh, if he gets back and, and decides to declare. His, he had one catch that was really nice up the seam. I, yep. where he, he kind of – it was like a real route. And I was like, oh, Shipley, that's number one. <laughs> All right. Because, like, the, you know, this the, he had the little bubble, and, like, that's natural for a running back. But you see him go to run down the seam and then go attack the ball on an underthrow, that's good stuff. Let's continue talking about this running back class. But, unfortunately – or that's not the right word. Fortunately – For this player, he does not need to earn a place back in the upper echelon in this class because he has been putting himself there week after week at this point, and that is Travion Henderson. Now, it's funny that we're here talking about this because rewind two months ago and we were still asking, you know, is Travion going to show up? Is the 2021 Travion going to make an appearance this year and and help us rank him high in this class. We know the talents there. It's been it's been a hell of a stretch, man. And we've been talking a lot about him. If you've been listening, you've you've heard a lot about these recent performances. He's been getting a ton of badges week after week it seems like. This week against Minnesota, 
15 carries, 146 yards, and two touchdowns on the ground. Also add two catches for 26 yards. So we're, we're north of 160 yards from scrimmage in this game. And I got to tell you, this was a really, really good performance from Travion. Like when we go back, watch the tape from this season, I think this could end up being potentially his best game. Um, he is getting the complete package badge for me because I'm starting to get back to this mentality that Travion Henderson does pretty much everything that I'm looking for in a running back. He looks completely healthy. He looks so explosive. He looks so fast. Whatever was bothering him earlier in the year, it's it's all the way gone, and he is all the way back. It seems like his lateral quickness is exactly where it was in 2021, and that's something that we were missing and likely due to the injuries. Like we kind of cited early in the year, you know, what's still hampering him, so on and so forth. And then he takes that time, you know, between week five and week eight and sits out all of those games. And he has ripped off, I mean, three of the last four over 125 yards on the ground and he's also doing great work over 25 yards in the air in three of the four last games so he is a a dual threat guy and the like you said the explosion the athleticism the the pop is all there and then the vision is stayed where it always has been it's always been good and I mean the way he's getting in and out is special so we're waiting for someone to come take this number one spot in the running back room and I mean with nobody really making a case all season nobody making a strong case I'd say there's there's room for Travion near the top I I'm gonna say something right now Say it. Okay. I think Travion has made that case already for himself. Okay. I think I think we're already there. I think this the narrative of we're waiting for a running back in this class. We're waiting for the guy to seize hold. I think in the last four weeks, that is exactly what Travion has done. And there is a process to to follow here there is tape to watch i'm not i haven't seen all of his carries on a week-to-week basis haven't seen the bad carries you know we're seeing the big plays we're seeing those plays that he looks like himself if we get to tape season and it it seems like all those boxes are checked on tape and everything is looking good I don't think there's any reason to believe that this is not the best running back in this class because I'm going to point to the two touchdowns in this game because they both demonstrated two different areas of this player's game. The first touchdown, which is in the red zone, I was like 15 or maybe close to 20 yards. So he gets an outside carry and he's got a nice block on the edge and he's got one guy. He's got to make one guy miss. Squares him up, freezes him. He's just ice ice cold like i don't know what i'm doing travion explodes to the left he's gone 
easy touchdown. Makes it look like an easy play. But that defender, that was his matchup, and he made him look silly. Then we get to the second touchdown, which is the first play of the second half. And it's another outside run where he bounces it. We're seeing the lateral ability again on that play. But not only that, all of a sudden, here come the Jets. He gets to the outside, he bounces it, and he sees the gap, and he's just gone. Like, the speed on that play was something where I watched it and I said, hold on a second, Travion is back. Like, he's showing he has breakaway speed, the lateral ability is completely back. This looks like the best running back in this class right now. Yeah, I I think that that's the case. I there's a question of you know the injury stuff that lingers, and that's the only thing that would give me pause because you can clearly see that when he's right, he's the best running back in the class. That doesn't seem like a very hard debate to you know, win one way or the other. So, uh, I, I'm interested to see, you know, what the ADP looks like come summer and, you know, landing spot and all that kind of stuff. Cause you talk about the receivers in this class and that's kind of the cream of the crop. Yeah. I mean, it 100% is, and let's talk about one of them right now. How about that? We got a player, that's trying to set a record here at Camp Dynasty for badges. Take it away. Yeah, we do. Um, Troy Franklin, he is a machine. And we're getting him another badge today. I didn't I didn't I didn't come up with a badge. I, I skipped <laughs> over I skipped over Troy Franklin when I was doing my badges. Uh really good badge <laughs> <laughs> he's getting the too easy badge there troy franklin because uh i mean playing arizona state and it's just it's so easy for troy franklin this is he's got 1221 yards and 13 touchdowns on the season we were talking at the beginning of the year about you know what is this player gonna do this season you know can he improve on what he did last season because last season was pretty solid for him you know 891 yards and nine touchdowns now he has easily eclipsed that and is lapping it so we're we're looking at i mean in this arizona state game he i mean won all over the field like he always does. He's sitting – one of the touchdowns was kind of blown coverage. It was like he split between two zones. It was a little seam route, and it didn't get passed off right. And then uh, the other one was just him. I, I love that he's attacking the ball in the air, even though, like, maybe you can let it come to you. I like him going up, have active hands, and going and getting it. So, uh, Troy Franklin – I mean, polished receiver is winning everywhere. Uh, it's a shame that he's in this class because he can't be like 
oh yeah, this is my number one receiver. You know, in many other classes, it feels like he's that kind of player. But I, either way, he's well, let me ask so you good. this. Let me yeah. ask you this. Uh, obviously, this is an impossible question to answer right now, but I'm going to ask it to you anyway. Gut gut feeling. Where is he last year, wide receiver wise? I mean, I like him number like two or oh man, I really like JSN. <laughs> I'd say he. I I would take him over Addison, given the circumstance. Like if he was plopped down in the twenty twenty two season, doing what he's doing now. I think I would have had him over Addison. So wide receiver two is what yeah. you're saying. Yep. I like I said, it's an impossible question. Need to need to like watch the tape actually and analyze him. But mm-hmm. that's my gut feeling as well. Like yeah. that's the level of talent here. There there were a lot of question marks with those guys. We I mean we both love JSN a lot and everything yeah. after that. There were there were some fairly sizable question marks with every one of those players. Troy Franklin is is feeling like a complete wide receiver in a lot of ways. I mean, what he is doing on a week-to-week basis is special. And the other conversation that I want to have is we talked about the Heisman race last week, and one of the players that we brought up was Marvin Harrison Jr. We know that narratives win awards. That's exactly why I – I predicted that Marvin was going to win it this year, but Troy Franklin is having a much better season than Marvin Harrison jr. When you just talk about peer volume, peer statistics, week to week basis, I mean, 1200 yards, 13 touchdowns right now. He is having a very special year and I don't know that it's being appreciated enough at a national level from a college football perspective. I mean, I think everybody knows that Oregon is really good and it's an explosive offense, but this is a really, really special season from Troy Franklin and and one that I think is, you know, we're going to see the fallout of it as we get into draft season and more and more folks start to talk about him in that way. Yeah, he's third in college football and receiving yards uh, with – the most touchdowns out of the top three. Um, he has, he only has 68 catches on 93 targets. Uh, the two other guys that are above him both have over or 80 or more catches on over 110 targets. So he is doing more with less volume. I mean, 18 yards per catch on the season he has just been fantastic. He's been efficient, and I'm I'm interested to see how many first-round receivers we have because I feel like he clearly should be a first-round receiver. Um, so, And then you got the other guys that we've been talking about all year, the Marvin Harrison Jr., the Malik Neighbors, the Keon Coleman, that all also should be high first-round picks. So it's going to be a good year for wide receiver needy teams. Definitely. And another reason for that is our next player, Rome Odunze. 
Rome has not gotten many badges this year. This is number two, maybe. Uh, but that does not mean that this has not been a phenomenal season for Romo Dunze. And in fact, I think the last time we talked about him, the conversation was a lot about how he is doing the things that we wanted to see from him this year. We, he is, he is showing growth in those areas that we had some questions about, even as a player that was both in our top five and both of our top five wide receivers coming into the year, he is answering a lot of those questions and he has put himself into a very, very elite conversation. When we talk about this draft class, we're talking about the wide receivers. It's so deep. It's so good. Marvin Malik Keon, how about Odunze? Slot him in, man. Slot him in. I think he is worthy of being in that sort of a conversation with these guys that we're talking about top 20 in the draft. Odunze is fully evolved. And what we saw in this game was a sloppy, rainy game. Washington and Oregon State. These were not good conditions for a big, you know, passing shootout. And Odunze still, with Michael Penix by his side, comes out of this game with seven catches on 11 targets for 106 yards and two touchdowns. As the kids say, he was him in this game. And I am giving him the fade to black badge. There's a multi, there's multi layers here. I'm excited to hear. Let me elaborate. So Rome didn't need many routes in this game. Let's just say that. We had two touchdowns, both on fade routes. One was a short red zone fade in which he absolutely destroyed the cornerback. Like it was an it he got the whole upper body moving, he got the head moving, he totally sold the inside. And the corner turned, and all of a sudden, Rome's going fade, and he's wide open in the end zone. Amazing route. Second one is a slot fade, just classic. I'm going to out-athlete you from the slot. We'll get into the end zone. The corner kind of fell down. Rome makes a a catch falling down, whatever. Okay, that's another big fade. Then third and three, a minute 58 left. Oregon State is out of timeouts. Game is on the line, and Michael Penix goes to Odunze on the back shoulder throw to seal the game. So it wasn't necessarily a a master class in terms of route variety or any of that stuff, but, man, he took over this game. He made all the plays for for Washington in this game, and uh, he is an incredible, incredible talent. Yeah, he... He's, dude, we talk about the conditions in this game and his counterpart, Jalen McMillan, who we've also talked about was having a lot of trouble in this game with just catching the ball. Cause it was, I mean, it's tough, get it, but Odunze, what we've mentioned is so special about him is he has great hands. He and that's what makes his contested catch ability so good. 
and then you know we we are finally seeing more of those contested catch opportunities being converted by him because you see it on tape in 2022 where you're like man there's some flashes uh on on odunze's film where it's like he is just you know when he does it it is really really good and it was kind of few and far between last year and the numbers didn't quite you know match what you were seeing with your eyes and now this year the numbers are starting to add up to what you're seeing with your eyes so that he's had uh 19 contested contested targets and he's converted 13 of them which is absurd i mean only six massive growth like six contested opportunities he's not converted (laughs) that's crazy last year he had 16 total contested targets and he converted four of them so i mean you talk about tripling your production in a department that's a pretty important one to have and then he's also i mean all over the place in terms of his his route in this in this game specifically it was not super varied but so far this season we haven't gotten much of a chance to talk about him outside of week three that was the last time we gave him a badge so i mean he's all over the field he's making a ton of plays he's a better separator he has just improved across all facets of the game and so i mean odunze another guy that it's going to be either a first rounder or a high second round pick because this guy is good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm all in, man. I think he's a easy slam dunk first round wide receiver talent, and the the I mean the contested stuff. It's exactly what I alluded to. We you see that on tape. The the 25 percent last year did not feel indicative of his ability especially for a player that has good hands you see that back-to-back years now where we're right around a five percent drop rate this year he's just converting all of them he's been that ball winner he's been that alpha x wide receiver in this offense and you know you mentioned mcmillan how about our other guy jalen polk he had zero catches on five targets in this game odunze was the wide receiver in this offense in this game uh and he shows why he's a cut above those other players 100 percent. all right let's go back to a player that has earned himself a lot of badges thus far <laughs> i i can't stop giving devin neal badges <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what it is uh but he's getting the fast forward badge he I mean, he's becoming my guy in this whole thing because we talked about him last week, I believe, and he impressed me last week with his just his mobility, his lower body, his you know, his balance, the the moves he puts on without losing any speed, and in this game against Kansas State he had 138 yards, three touchdowns, and just him one-on-one in the open field, 
it just seems like he makes the guy miss every single time. And I don't know, like, I, I'm, I was feeling like he's a fun player at the beginning of the season. Like, oh, yeah, Devin Neal, we're, we're having an exciting time. You know, it's Kansas. This is kind of, you know, pretty cool. But week in and week out, it's feeling more and more like Devin Neal can be a real player that will be contributing on Sundays sooner or later because he has the size he's 5'11 210 like this is not a small like jitterbug back but he is so light on his feet and he can get up and go in a hurry so I mean there's questions about Kansas and you know who are we playing and all that but he's put up some big games and he looks really good while he's doing it so i i don't know if i'm just wearing rose colored glasses with the devin neal but i i like him a lot well i mean again it's it's all gonna depend on let's dive into the film let's see what he looks like on a carry to carry basis but i gotta tell you man i i completely agree this player you mentioned size box is checked the speed box is checked the elusiveness, that's a that's a big check mark. You see that on the in the first quarter, that first touchdown run. He made some ridiculous moves on that run. It was like a an outside run, and he just he, you get this guy into space, and he is just a nightmare. He's making guys miss. And if it felt like he was making guys miss on every carry, that's because he had 12 missed tackles forced on 18 carries in this game. Easily a season high. I mean, it was arguably his best performance of the entire season. It feels like he's just getting better and better. And we mentioned last week during the conversation, like he's only a junior. This is no lock to declare, but we're getting to a point here where now we're back to back thousand plus yard rushing seasons. What more does he need to prove to put himself on the NFL radar? I feel, I feel like we're tracking in that direction right now. Uh, and not a name you're hearing a lot. I don't think in like national draft circles, but that doesn't mean anything right now that this name will come. I can guarantee that. And he's had one fumble all season. Uh, he pass blocks pretty well. He he sits in there and he takes punishment. And the, I mean, the one thing is like, he's not, uh, a finisher, which is my one knock that I'll have on Devin Neal. He's, he's an elusive back and, but man, I just a fun player to watch. Yeah, he is. I'm just looking here. Like the yards after contact stuff, it, it comes and goes. In this game, I mean, 104 yards after mm-hmm. contact, 5.78 per attempt. I mean, he flashes a little bit of it. It's yeah. not a consistent part of his game, but it's not something that you never see either. And it's, man, an exciting player. Very excited to watch him holistically and, and dive into his film this year. Yeah, I'm interested to see what the NFL ends up thinking about him. How about we talk about an IDP, baby? 
because we love them here at Camp Dynasty. Don't ever forget it. We might not talk about them every week, but I had a couple this week that I wanted to bring up, and I'm 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 ultimately deciding to go with Chop Robinson, a player that you really liked coming into the year. Levy was a top five IDP for you. I think he was just outside of my top five coming into the year. It has been an interesting year for Chop. I won't say it's been a dominant year by any stretch, but that does not mean it hasn't been a good year for him. And this game against Rutgers, okay, yep, we're in the Big Ten. This is the cookie matchup in the conference, but you better show up the way that Chop did this week. It was an absolutely ridiculous performance, man. He he was he was crazy. I'm giving him the heat seeking missile badge. The badge in particular is for his sack. Uh let me go through his stat line, I guess. Four pressures, one sack, a forced fumble, and then five stops in this game. Nothing crazy, but his sack. He got off the line so quickly. That is his calling card. We had questions about the power. Not even, you you can't question the speed at all. (laughs) The speed is where this player is going to make his money. He flies off the line on this play. The The right tackle has no chance at all. Chop is in the backfield in an instant and moving at 100 miles an hour straight into the quarterback. He blew the Rutgers quarterback up. The ball just went flying. Like you'll get you'll get the strip sacks where they're like, I'm gonna swing my arm and I'm gonna knock it away intentionally. Chop forced the fumble by pure impact alone. It was like he annihilated him. The ball just goes flying <laughs> in the air. And then Chop recovered it himself. So I mean, it's He's not a perfect prospect, but what he does, he does so damn well, and he is so fun to watch. Yeah, uh, this is there. There's a few IDPs that are interesting in this class, and we we've talked about them, you know, here and there. Like you said, it's not every week, but Chop is one of my favorite in this class because of that. I mean that speed coming off the edge and the bend. Like at the end of the day, sacks are what counts in the, you know, IDP scoring column and chop Robinson. I mean, with speed like this, he'll be able to translate against NFL tackles. Like the, this is just the get off and the acceleration. And then he gets down without losing any momentum and then he takes what he's so good at in pass defense in his pass rush sets and he translates them into his run defense and he had these five solo tackles in this game and a few of them tackles for losses because he's just you know getting going rip move getting underneath that tackles you know wingspan and then he's got that running back dead to rights so he also i mean 
is getting hurries in this game, like forcing the ball out of the quarterback's hands. He is all over the place. So I am optimistic that Chop Robinson will be a good uh, edge in the NFL. Uh, but man, he is a little, he is a little small. That that's something I would worry about because I I know the NFL is trending smaller and like it's okay to be a, a small guy, especially we've had the wide receiver conversation where it's like you don't even got to be big anymore. You can be five eight, one sixty five, and dominate. But I don't know how that is in the trenches. Yeah, I mean we I mean, Dallas Turner is a name we've talked about here similar sized players a little bit smaller edge rushers but the speed i mean and that's that's what we were wondering coming into the year like can we project him to be more than just a situational speed rusher because we have seen those sorts of players get kind of buried on depth charts many many times before despite having high draft capital chop robinson to me i mean Need to dive into the film here. The run defense is not always his calling card. The power, I mean, we you, you remember we, that Ohio State game last year. That still lives in my mind. Uh, me when too. he's playing against NFL tackles and he's getting overpowered on a snap-to-snap basis, this game was a really good run defense performance. He made multiple plays, getting off of blocks, winning with some strength and some power to get into the backfield, blow up some runs. It was a really encouraging performance in that area while he was also doing the things that we know he knows how to do at the same time. And I just want to talk one second here about his win rate in this game, his pass rush win rate, because it's kind of ridiculous. Uh, In this game, you only had the one sack, the four pressures. Like it's not like ridiculous, gaudy stuff like, but 43% win rate as a pass rusher in this game. 43% of the time he was winning his pass rush matchup. If we go to the true pass sets set of data, which is like taking out screens and quick stuff and like basically any play that allows a pass rusher to like actually rush the passer. 50% 50% win rate in this game. 50-50 chance that if Chop was rushing the passer, he was going to win and get himself into the backfield. Incredible performance. That seems pretty good. <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> All right. Let's keep talking about wide receivers. We got a pretty special one here to talk about next. That we do. Uh, we're given the polished badge to Malik neighbors for his performance against Georgia state. So he had 142 touchdowns on eight catches. He man, if Marvin wasn't in this class, there's, I, there's not a lot of classes where Malik neighbors is not the number one wide receiver in the class. That's where I'm at with him where just week in and week out he looks so good the the in and out of breaks speed is unreal and he once again 
took the top off the defense and with his touchdown on the post i mean it was a classic cover two beater and he just ran the post got the safety to bite on the outside jane daniels nice little pump fake and then breaks into the post and safety's had no chance split them touchdown and that's just something that he gives offenses i mean 40 yard touchdown in that game and he also does all the other little things well he had a nice toe tap on the left side he had i mean a a touchdown where he was like falling back and landed straight on his back and if you've ever fallen on you on your back and you gotten like the, the wind knocked out of you don't know how you hold the ball through that these guys are superheroes so I mean, there's just – you can go down the list of everything that he does well, but we don't have enough time. <laughs> well, we're going to have plenty of time <laughs> to do that for the next several months because when we talk about this class, when we talk about the top players and go through the whole process leading up until April and the end of the summer – this is one of the players that will sit at the top of that list for the entirety of that process. He is a truly special wide receiver prospect, in my opinion. Uh, we're not that far removed from having the conversation of Keon Coleman or Malik Neighbors when we did when we did midseason rankings. We both had Keon above Malik at that time. And it's sort of the classic conundrum of polished route running savant versus physical freak specimen player. Like, and the answer is yes, I want both of them. But right. neighbors is showing us things that I think make him a truly special prospect, a, a player that I will, you know. I, he's going to be an extremely high draft pick. Let's just say that. He will be an extremely high pick in the NFL draft. There will be no doubts about him when we get into rookie drafts. As far as I'm concerned, I don't care where the running backs go, what happens. This is the consolation prize, in my opinion. If you do not get Marvin Harrison Jr. in this class, you are getting Malik Neighbors, and that is... <laughs> That's about as good as it gets for a number two. Yeah. I I mean, the the things that he he does with leverage. Like I, I talked about the post touchdown he had where he splits the, the safeties and you know does the fall away lands on his back. The the first touchdown he had on the dig route, the the cornerback is playing inside leverage. He's got his, his his back is to the inside of the field. He's like, you know, you I'm forcing you to go inside. And Malik Neighbors still gets him to turn his hips upfield and turn into a sprint and turn him fully around so he can uh catch a dig and then walk into the end zone. And it's like the the subtleties of everything that he's doing mid route 
is just so impressive. And I, I mean, like you said, he's a, a consolation prize, but anybody that's picking him is going to be ecstatic. Listen, we talked about Troy Franklin, the numbers he's putting up. Why is he not in that conversation? Malik Neighbors, 1,423 yards and 12 touchdowns right now. He should be in the Heisman race. I mean, his teammate is probably going to win it. Yep. But there's no reason that this player's name shouldn't be included in that conversation. I mean, in my opinion, he should win the Bolitnikoff this year. That that finalist list came out today, actually. There were a few snubs. News to they, me. I gotta go look at it. Yeah, there was I mean, it was that we a lot of a lot of guys that we've talked a lot about here on that list, but for me, Malik Neighbors is a step above everybody when you talk about production, meets talent, meets, you know, all of these things. This is the best wide receiver right now in college football. I mean, just Marvin is Marvin. He is the best at what he does, and he's going to be the best in the NFL draft and all those things. But Neighbors is doing things on a week-to-week basis that are amongst elite company in the history of college football. Blitnikoff Award finalists. Marvin Harrison Jr., Malik Neighbors, Romo Dunze, Keon Coleman, Troy Franklin, Xavier Leggett. You come to Camp Dynasty, I mean – getting these names keep keep going on that list keep going on that list we got luther burden lejante wester i'm not familiar with him and i've I've watched him i don't xavier worthy and colin lacy i don't know i don't think colin made the list i'm 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 on nationalchamps.net okay all right, I I saw outrage on Twitter today that Colin was not included on the list actually, so maybe they maybe they uh, corrected their mistake. I could just be on a fake. Yeah, website. you're. I mean, you're probably on like. I I might have a virus. You have malware <laughs> infesting your computer as anyway. we're speaking. <laughs> anyway, what I was getting at is that another player that's a finalist for the Blitnikoff is the player that we're talking about next. And it's Malik Washington, the other Malik wide receiver in this class. Uh, Malik Washington playing Duke this week. He's such a dude, man. He's such a dude. Like he is such a talented wide receiver. That is like, uh, there's that meme that gets passed around sometimes where it's like, the bar like the, it's like a bar graph and it's like production is all the way up and media coverage is all the way down that's literally Malik Washington personified a player that gets talked about by nobody really like you never really hear the name but on a week to week basis he is just putting up ridiculous stats and then when you go to the film and you say okay how is this production coming he he's a real wide receiver I mean, these are real wide receiver stats that he's putting up in this Virginia offense. And this game against Duke, I am giving him the yakety yak badge. It's, it's back. A, it's back. <laughs> it's been a while, I think. But 
Uh, I thought nine that one would stay on, on the ta- shelf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <right. laughs> nine catches on nine targets. 112 yards, two touchdowns in this game. He was deadly all over the field. Whatever, wherever they were putting him, I mean, there was over the middle stuff. There were screens to get him in motion. And then we also got a red zone contested catch. Just to to put a little cherry on top. When you see that, it's late in the game. It's the second touchdown. He's going over the top. You're like, all right, this call the race, man. This is a real NFL wide receiver if I've ever seen one. Uh, Yakety yak comes from the fact that he had 67 yards after the catch in this game. Some really, really nice yards after the catch in this game. He wasn't just running. He was creating yards after the catch in this game. And he is currently fourth in the entire country in yards after the catch right now with 639. So he's a dangerous player in the open field. When we talked about him last, I said, oh, I had a little flashback to Josh Downs. They were playing North Carolina at that time. Similar sorts of players here, but one thing that Josh, and I'm not saying he's better than Josh Downs, just to be clear, but one thing Josh didn't do that well, yards after the catch. Malik's got that box checked at least. So Malik Washington is better than Josh Clip Downs. It. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, this this game, I was like, oh, 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 all right, Malik. I mean, he was breaking tackles he was i mean making people miss after the catch all kinds of stuff like getting the ball on the move and then was just impossible to get on the ground and i kind of thought of malik washington as one kind of player like you know he's uh kind of cool this is i don't know how much this is going to translate and then you like as he keeps putting these performances up and you see what he can do with the ball in his hands on top of you know his ability to separate then you can kind of see a vision where he could like be a real guy and this is just another stamp on that where he's like hey what do i gotta do to show you like i'm getting a 5a dot you know his average depth target is five yards down the field and he's putting up 112 yards and that's due to all those yards after the catch like he is putting on a clinic so really really impressive in this game and through this entire season. Yeah. He's going to be a really fun player to break down this off season. I mean, you just look at what he's doing in terms of the stats this year. I mean, obviously the yards, 1269 yards this year, nine touchdowns, incredible season. Uh, We also have, you know, nine contested catches on 15 opportunities. We only have three drops right now on 123 targets. This guy is so solid, and like I said, he's not getting talked about at all, but he will. I can guarantee that. Yeah, very well-rounded player. All right. We've talked a lot 
about the talented wide receivers in this class. We've we've really kind of hit the gauntlet. I mean, Marvin wasn't here this week, but he's been here enough. We had pretty much the rest of them right now. He this sent week. his teammate on his behalf. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Travion, we get him in once in a while. But let's go to the phone to perhaps talk about another wide receiver. It's time for the call home. This is one of those calls where it's not necessarily due to performance, but it's time to have a conversation about Keon Coleman, player that I've already referenced on this episode as a, a player that we were both in love with when we did midseason rankings, and not, nothing has changed. We talked about Malik Neighbors on this episode. We talked about Romo Dunze. We talked about Troy Franklin. All of these wide receivers getting badges. I mean, Christ, Franklin's got five. Neighbors has four. I mean, we, they're they're loading up on him. Keon Coleman, we haven't talked about him for like a couple months, maybe like several several weeks at least. So what's going on? What what's the problem with Keon Coleman? Uh, I think it, it's just due to he hasn't had a blow-up week since, like, week seven. And, you know, he puts a, a highlight here and there where it's like, ooh, yeah, Keon Coleman's doing his thing. And uh, But this Florida State offense is very well-balanced. So Coleman just, you know, he's getting his share of the pie. But as of late, it's been a smaller slice than it was earlier in the season. Getting a little Thanksgiving references in here, you know, coming up. <laughs> it's coming a couple up days. Uh, but I, I think this is just coming here to say, number one, like Keon Coleman is is still easily my wide receiver three. I'd say, well, maybe not easily. Troy Franklin. (laughs) (laughs) No, Keon Coleman is my wide receiver three. And it it was a little, maybe a little irresponsible (laughs) mid-season to be like, hey, we're here with Keon Coleman. Like, this is, but the the plays that he can make and the, the player that he is, is exceptional. And... The just because we haven't talked about him since the midseason rankings episode, now we're saying like, oh yeah, we're moving him down. You know, Malik has surpassed him. It's not due to the fact that Keon Coleman has become worse. It's just the fact that Malik Neighbors has been incredible this season, and then also you're in a class with Marvin Harrison Jr. So, uh. The the fact is, like, Keon Coleman would be a wide receiver one in a lot of classes, be a wide receiver two in almost every class. Uh, he's just happens to be in this loaded class that we keep referencing. So uh, just wanted to clear the air and say, like, hey, Keon, everything's all good, you know, keep doing your thing. I know your quarterback's leg just exploded. It's probably not getting better anytime soon, but just keep trucking we're going to get to draft day. God, Jordan Travis, man. 
That yeah. is that was really sad. It's devastating. Yeah. But um this Keon Coleman, this is a reminder that stats are not how you scout players. Yep. That that is not, you know, we when we hand out badges, we spend, you know, we spend a few months here talking about these players. A lot of the conversations center around who are the big producers right now because that's the nature of this time. It's the yeah. nature of going through the college football it's, season. It's week-to-week performances. Yes. And Keon Coleman, I mean, you would look at these yardage totals in the last four weeks, all right? 54 yards, 66 yards, 24 yards, 53 yards. These are not totals that are, you know, up to Malik Neighbors' weekly 130 or, you know, whoever else, Troy Franklin's weekly 130. So naturally he gets left out of these conversations, but... It goes back to what I said earlier in the show, which is that you have players like, well, A, Marvin, who is the best of both worlds. He is the size, athlete, technician. All He's all in one. That's why he's generational. Then you have guys like Neighbors, who are these route running technician types with speed, athleticism. And then you have guys like Coleman who I think based on what I've seen, and again, there's all sorts of these caveats of I need to dive into the film, blah, blah, blah. I think Keon Coleman is more of a project player than some of the other names in this class, but that that does not imply that he is a raw wide receiver talent either. Like, I have seen plenty of reps of Keon Coleman this year separating, like, very effectively. So it's not one of those things where it's like, okay, he's 6'4", 215, he's a freak athlete, but he doesn't know how to play receiver yet. That's not what this player is. But I think there's more of that growth path needed for a player like Coleman as opposed to some of these other guys who – I mean, just by talking about them, we all know they are like special wide receivers. Like Marvin, obviously, but Malik as well. Like I'm, I'm there with him. I think he's a special wide receiver talent. Coleman might just be as well, but he, he's got a little bit more of that projection. It's not quite like a finished product with Keon Coleman, and that's fine. That these guys don't need to be finished products. They're 21 years old. Like. An NFL team is going to see his rare combination of size, speed, athleticism, and ability, and they're going to take him extremely high in the NFL draft. And there is no reason that we need to see 615 yards this season as a negative in his evaluation. 100%. Yep. Hit the nail on the head, I'd say. And Coleman, I mean, he should be – uh, wide receiver three just because of the traits combined with what we've seen uh, in terms of like his polish you know you you mentioned that he's not like he's not as polished as the the other guys Marvin and Malik and you know maybe Odunze like but the athletic gifts that he has kind of bring i mean it just raises the ceiling so much 
And the amount of polish that he already has in tandem with those athletic gifts makes him such a tantalizing prospect. It's this will be my segue, but the last thing I want to say is this is not when when we talk about like oh he, he there's a little bit of polish required here like do not even consider the name Quentin Johnston don't even consider it that, that that's not the that's not the conversation that's that is happening with Keon Coleman there are a lot of reasons why we will have those conversations for the next several months about this player but that's the topic right now Raw wide receivers. Oh shit! We, it happened again. Yep. That's not this player at all. So forget about that. Now, let's gather around the campfire and reminisce on the campers of old. It's all grown up. Quentin Johnson. Yep. Talk to me. What the hell is going on? It's it's like everything that could go wrong has gone wrong so far with Johnson. Like there was questions about his separation, there was questions about his hands, and then it's like, well, yeah, but he's a freak athlete, and he's, you know, got good size, and so, you know, we'll, we'll see. He's, he's a raw player, but, you know, once he gets in there, he'll be able to make some things happen. We get to week 11, and he's been a full-time starter for a few weeks now because of the litany of injuries Chargers have experience in their wide receiver department and he just cannot produce and it's not for a lack of opportunity it's not for a lack of you know targets he's just straight up not doing much and it was all accentuated by the game losing drop that he had in the Packers game where he gets over the top of a inexperienced DB. I mean, he's playing against Corey Ballantyne, who is not, you know, top billing in the cornerback room in Green Bay, or he wouldn't be anywhere. So it's not like you can say he's going against, you know, better competition. Like he probably played better guys when he played Georgia. Like, in the national championship game and he gets over the top of them great and in the bread basket big drop just a microcosm of how this season has gone for him so far it's a, it's been all bad really was i mean it really was a microcosm of this season for quentin johnson i mean so here's what i want to say about this scouting for the nfl draft is not a black and white science. And I think a lot of people, you know, for, for good and bad, get lost, like lost in this. Like, oh, if if you said X player was ranked here, like 
you know, you thought he was better than all these guys, like blah blah blah, and vice versa. Like if you if if you rank him lower and and then he's good, it's like well you were too low on him, you know. Like the whole thing is ranges of outcomes. A player like Quentin Johnston gets ranked where he did, and and it will go down as an L in the record books. I mean, I'm I'm already there. I'm comfortable saying it. He was my sixth player in the class. How he ends up there is not because coming out of school he is the sixth best player in the class. It is because he has the tools to become that player. He has the tools to become the sixth best player in the class. What we've seen thus far with Quentin Johnston is the worst case scenario hands down like it is the worst case scenario and that is why at this point in time i am very concerned about quinn johnson's long-term projection i am extremely concerned about it because we mentioned this is a player that needed development there it it was no surprise that he was going to struggle his rookie year it was no surprise that he wasn't going to be productive his rookie year. That's why we said, hey, going to 2024, buy low, Quentin Johnston. That all comes at the caveat that Quentin was showing you something that showed you that he could become the player that you wanted him to be. So far, we have seen almost nothing that suggests that he is ready to evolve his game to develop at the NFL level. We have seen almost nothing that suggests that that's going to happen. It's happening in every facet of the game. It's happening with his hands, which were a problem at TCU and have continued to be a problem in the NFL. It is also happening in his ability to separate, which was also a question mark. And that was the thing where it's like, you have the athletic ability to grow into a polished route runner, that can separate down the field, all of those things. That's why they drafted him. He He's not doing that at all. Uh, reception perception. I want to reference this. If you're not familiar, Matt Harmon, reception perception is the gold standard of wide receiver evaluation as far as I'm concerned. It's worth every penny. Pay it's for good it. good content. Pay for it. I'm not going to tell – I'm not going to, you know, spill the beans here. Go read this report for yourself. He comes out with the midseason rookie report. But I want to I want to highlight some numbers from Quentin Johnston's evaluation. 38.9% success rate against man coverage. The next lowest is 59.4. That's Jonathan Mingo. He, he's nowhere near the rest of this rookie class of wide receivers in terms of being able to beat man coverage. And they're playing him at the X. They are playing him in Mike Williams' role. So if you can't separate against man coverage as an X wide receiver in the NFL, welcome to hell. You're not going anywhere. The, we're talking about Terrace Marshall levels right now in terms of separation ability against man coverage at the X position. It's not good. And if you drafted him, I understand the frustrations and, you know, the panicking. 
I'm I'm currently at a point where at any second I'm out. I'm out at a second, no doubt. I saw him get traded for a third in one of my leagues, which I was telling you about, and I was I was like, man, all right. <laughs> <laughs> but here we are, I guess. You know, I I suppose, but I mean, I I don't know if I. If I was a Johnson owner, if I'd be getting out on him for a third, but I'd I'd be totally happy with getting a 24 second because this wide receiver class is deep. This running back class is interesting. So you know, just reshuffle your deck and you know make another pick. Like you may have burned uh, the higher first round pick, mid first round pick, and it didn't it doesn't look like it's working out so far doesn't look like it's going to be working out so wash your hands and move on before that pick loses all its value find somebody that's still a believer that is like well i mean it's only 11 12 games whatever but like you said he's shown next to nothing like the he could he be a gadget guy that like can get some backfield touches on like jet sweeps and stuff sure but that's not a guy that you took number six overall you took him because of the tantalizing upside the ceiling that he could have and it just feels like if that ceiling is not at the x He's, I mean, while Keenan Allen's there, he's not going to be playing much in the slot. So, I mean, I don't know. It, it just, it, it's hard to say I'm ready to to give up on him, but I am just about there. I think the best move right now is to try to package him for. A better asset like you can get out on a second if you want to but package him try to get a bigger fish and just get out of it like I I I hate talking this way because like I don't want to sound like it's like panic mode like get rid of him because he's not doing anything but like like I said man it could not be worse right now it is very scary how poor he is performing right now through almost, you know, a, a, a large chunk of his rookie season is already behind us. Like, it, uh, here we go. All right. Here we go. Yep. I'm going to bring up some trade candidates. Okay. All right. If you have Quinn Johnson and you get offered Tyler Lockett. If I'm a contender, yes. Okay. Uh, Gabe Davis. Yeah, I guess so. Michael Wilson. <laughs> oh, he went straight for my heart. I mean, you gonna make me say it? I'm gonna make you say it. I'm taking Michael Wilson. Okay. Demario Douglas. I 
don't think I'm familiar enough with Demario's game. I might keep Quentin there, but I want to also highlight the fact that Demario is having a really nice season, according yep. to uh, the data, the reception perception data. So, what about Traylon Burks? Well, there it is, man. There it is. That's the ultimate debate. I mean, might just be a lose-lose scenario, but I'm at that point. I'm taking Burks. Okay, so that, that's just I was going down the wide receiver rankings on KTC, and Johnson's currently at 48. Uh, Demario Douglas is at 53. Traylon Burks at 57. So you're telling me Demario Douglas is ahead of Traylon Burks in dynasty wide receiver rankings? The, the game moves fast. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Demario Douglas is almost a top 50 wide receiver asset in Dynasty. Wild times that we're living in, man. That's right. Wild times. But, all right. There's a little bit of doom and gloom for Quentin Johnston. Uh, any good news this week? or Tank Dell, man. <laughs> He's a freak. Yep. The, the kid just can't stop. He's their wide receiver one, which I did not expect to happen. Like at, at, early in the season, it seemed like it was going to be Nico Collins, and then Tank Dell just kind of took it over, and it was like, ah, oh, he's going to be boom bust, and now it's just consistent. He's playing well every week, and you, you heard the story in the pre or like around the draft that Stroud wanted Tank Dell and like he advocated for the team to draft him and you're like well what does that really mean but here we are <laughs> and it must have meant something if that actually happened because Tank Dell has been putting on a show and currently is the what, dynasty wide receiver 15 according to the community I mean, it's it's nuts that we're there, but what reason do we have to not believe what we're seeing with our eyes? You know, yeah. like Stroud is one of the, I mean, three picks this week. Okay, great, whatever. He's already shown he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, this is a league that is hungry for quarterback talent. He's already one of the best players in the league at that position. With Tank Dell, I mean, tied to him as his wide receiver one, like you said, and a player who has shown that his size has not affected him in any way at the NFL level. Yeah, I'm in. I'm all yep. the way in. This is a real. This is a real dude, man. And this is a player that I'm gonna take us back for a hot second to uh, dynasty sleepers in the summer. This was your call out so i'm going to give you a pat on the back right now nice job singling out tank dell just had tank dell and puka nakua as my my dynasty <laughs> sleepers i don't know listen to this guy maybe i don't know you might don't listen to me uh, you, this guy's got all the answers over I here think, i think you have michael wilson so he's a good player yeah what's up with all these third round wide receivers being being good that's kind of better weird, than but, quentin johnson yeah <laughs> It's almost like this class was like weird and flipped on its head a little bit. A little bit. But yeah. All right. Tank Dell, good player. Quentin Johnston. 
Yikes. That's all I got. That's all I got. All right. There it is. That is week 11 of the NFL and week 12 of college football. I am so ready. I'm so ready. I'm actually, I'm going to tell you something. I we keep doing this stupid thing. I'm, Oh, we gotta, we gotta dive into the tape. We gotta watch We gotta analyze these guys. I'm starting. It's time to start. There's two weeks left of college football. Then we get into our, you know, draft season here at camp dynasty. The tape grinding is starting this week and next week I'm going to be, be very ready to unleash some takes and that'll be coming soon i i can't wait to dive in to especially some of the guys that we weren't very familiar with at the beginning of the season because you you get after the tape of who you are expecting to be good next year the marvin harrison jr the travion henderson the malik neighbors of the world and then you get the guys like keon coleman and Troy Franklin that kind of rise up Devin Neal that you didn't watch the, their 2022 tape in the preseason. So this is all going to be coming in fresh, fresh takes. So I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm jazzed. I'm very jazzed as well. And if you enjoyed our discussion this week, be sure to find us on X, formerly known as Twitter at Camp underscore Dynasty and TikTok at Camp dot Dynasty. And also, if you are listening to the pod feed, head over to the YouTube channel if you'd like to see our faces here. Uh, that is just Camp Dynasty. But if you are on the pod feed, be sure to like, rate, review, subscribe, share, follow, all of those things. We very much appreciate it colin and now it's on to thanksgiving do you think anybody will ever stop the tush push no i don't i did see some ineffective ones in college football this week but yeah i I mean the the certified brotherly show like like the the tush push right don't think it'll ever happen no it's never happening but i'll leave you with that all right happy thanksgiving happy thanksgiving We are thankful for you for listening and also for all of these amazing players that we get to talk about on a week-to-week basis. Mashed potatoes are the best side. (laughs) I had a whole discussion today. 50% of the plate goes to stuffing and mashed potatoes. I don't even care what happens on the other half of the plate. We're just Austin Austin is anti-roll, by the way. Yep. I, I'm not I'm not gonna apologize for it, just so you know, but it is a thing. <laughs> Alright. Thanks for stopping by Camp Dynasty this week. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>